Rotations is all about allowing interesting people the opportunity to share their opinions and ideas. Some listeners may find their opinions, content, expressed, disturbing, and objectionable. Yeah, he likes uh, Celtic music. You know how I know that? Uh, because I asked his secretary. <laughs> because we're going to put the music into this thing when we when we send it out. So on are we the talking YouTube's. like Rob Kick Murphy's? Are we talking more <laughs> back in the day? I don't know. Celtic women, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Hello, everybody. This is Todd Fredericks, uh, Assistant uh, Professor of Family Medicine at The Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. And we're here today starting our series on leadership. And with that, I'm going to give it over to Ryan to introduce our guests and our spots. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rotations. Uh, today, we have on Dr. Uh, Ken Johnson, who is the Dean of OUHCOM. Executive Dean. Executive Dean yes. of OUHCOM. The big Dean. And our spot today <laughs> is Meredith Mahler. Hi, everyone. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the show, everyone. All right, so let's just go ahead and get into it. So, Dr. Johnson, come on, kind of tell us uh, your background and how you came to be the dean. Well, it's a long story. <laughs> back in 1963. No, no, I'm not going to step that far <laughs> back. So, on, I'm a family physician by background, and I've always been interested in education on my entire career. Uh, actually, when I was an intern after medical school, people started suggesting to me that maybe I should think about academic medicine. And I had a rotation in medicine where I was presenting to the other folks on medicine, including the faculty. Um, and they just said after that presentation, maybe you should think about academics. I've always taught actually in medical school. I started teaching in my first year of medical school um, and just loved teaching. Um, and I really enjoy it. I, I learn a lot by teaching. And um, so it just had been one step after another leading to become yeah. executive dean here. What uh, would you teach back in the day? And so uh, as a family physician, I taught everything. Uh, and so I might teach, you know, how to deliver a baby to how to stitch up someone who's got a cut. Uh -huh. um, one of the things I taught the most was osteopathic manipulative medicine. Um, okay. I'm actually kind of a funny mix of um, a generalist and a specialist because I'm family physician, but also board certified neuromuscular medicine. So I kind of function a little bit in yeah. both worlds. And so I enjoy teaching a lot on, on the osteopathic approach to a variety of things. In the curriculum right now, I teach the osteopathic approach to the obstetrical patient and how to, you know, hands-on approach to helping with common complaints in pregnancy. Um, so that's probably what I like to teach the most. Okay. Um, do, you, uh, do you think that what you – do you think you, what you've taught has helped you – kind of like understand more and able to make it yourself a better deal? Dean? Oh, definitely. And a better deal, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely. One. Definitely. Um, it actually, um, one of the things that I like to do is um, I like to take on um, complex things to teach and try to make them simpler, easier for people to understand. So for me, if I can do that, I can understand it a little bit better, hopefully under have the student understand it better. And the job of executive dean is as complex as you can imagine. And so trying to um, make it simple or simpler um, for people to understand, understand the direction, the vision, and et cetera, I, think it, I definitely think it helps. That kind of leads me to my uh, next question. So like, we all know the executive dean's the head of the college, but what does the executive dean actually do? <laughs> Sit in my office all day. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, so it's a really complex uh, job. So we went from a single campus to two to three. And so my job involves providing leadership over three different campuses in three different parts of the state, one that's 
rural, another one that's urban, another one that's suburban. Uh, so all with really different kind of characteristics. And then we have about two dozen really close hospital partners scattered all over the state as well. So it's building relationships with them, creating opportunity, uh, and maybe even thinking about it in a way that creates opportunity more broadly around Ohio University and not just for the for the medical school. So I think a lot of it, for me, a lot of it is on setting the vision, setting the strategy, and then I f actually feel really blessed to recruit some of the best people anywhere to help turn vision into reality. So I have, I joke around, and people have heard me say this before, that my first job when I came here, I said the first thing I would do is I would try to recruit a team of superheroes. <laughs> and that's, that's people with all different talents. I would joke around. I'd use, like, the Fantastic Four as the example, you know, and I need the stretchy guy and the guy that can go on fire and all that. But what I've learned is that on strong teams are even stronger when you have people with a lot of different talent, different talents that come together. So I was very specific in doing that. So I recruited deans for Dublin and Cleveland that are nationally recognized leaders. I have a fantastic team on here in Athens to help run the, run the whole thing. So part of it for me is really creating strong teams and then empowering them to do the work. Uh, how, how involved are you with Cleveland and Columbus now, now that they have their own deans? Oh yeah, so uh, I go there frequently on, and a lot of my travels there are to, on one, have a, a connection with the students so I can understand their experiences that they have. On two, understand uh, the local need for faculty because it's really different on each of those on campuses. But they run the program. On When there's a problem on the campus, it doesn't come to me. It comes to them. And actually, probably one of my greatest signs of success in having strong leaders is I was at a national meeting with two of my deans and they were talking about a problem that I did not hear about and that they had solved. Uh, and so that, that, that's, I mean, so my, my belief in, on, in leadership is I believe in leadership at all levels of an organization yeah. and that people should be empowered to make decisions. On, and if they make a mistake, that's okay. That's how they learn and grow. And so I try to do that all the way through the, through the whole organization. As an example, when we were developing a college's strategy way back when uh, in trying to empower everybody, we had one of our staff members participating that encapsulated part of what we wanted to do better than anybody else at the table. And if we hadn't created that space, then we never would have gotten that kind of, that kind of input. So really what I try to do as I'm going around to each of the campuses is to understand the local needs and then how can I support them and how can I help them grow. Okay. So I guess that's kind of the broad, what the dean, executive dean does. But what yep. does what do you do on like on a day to day basis? Would you say? Yeah. So I'll give you an example of today. We're planning a new campus here in Athens. So I spent on a couple hours this morning looking at on plans and hearing what the major problems might be as far as getting the program to uh, to move along. On um, so it's it's. They don't, Dr. Fredericks and I didn't have the class on facilities building in, me <laughs> in medical true. school. <laughs> so um, uh, there's everything from facilities to, um, you know, kind of faculty and managing faculty. On, on uh, any day I might have a meeting about the progress that we're making on our curriculum, and we're doing a new curriculum right now and getting reports out on from that. Uh, and I just met with my senior leadership team to talk on about 
a variety of things like on how do we think about where certain programs live inside of the college. Uh, we have some complex programs that do education, research, and service, and they kind of go across each of our missions and how do we organize ourselves in the, in the best way possible. But then other days, so on later this week, I'll be having breakfast with faculty, a faculty group. It's informal, so I can hear you know, their thoughts on things. Yeah. I meet with the student government once a month for breakfast. I find that if I meet in an informal setting like that, I hear things that I don't hear so much in an all in favor aye, raise your hand on kind of meeting. And I always walk away with something that I either didn't know or something that's going to help the college grow and, um, and do better. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of different topics that you have to kind of have at least your pulse on. Yes. How do you determine which ones are the most important to go after, I guess? Yeah, so that's that's a really great question. You're running. So just to get, I'll try to put the scope of the medical school into perspective a little bit more. So we have three academic campuses, three different parts of the state, nearly 400 employees across those three different campuses, faculty, staff, and administration. We have 24 hospital partners. We have four, almost 4,000 clinical faculty in those hospital partners, on meaning that we one in 14 physicians in the state of Ohio have an appointment with the Heritage College. So, wow. so that's kind of the scope of, and we have on nearly a thousand students across those across those three campuses. Yeah. So, on thinking about how how do you pay attention? I can't pay attention to all the details of all that. That's why I need to have on strong people in front of me. And I think you have to do a combination of attending to those issues to just kind of bubble up while kind of keeping your eye on the North Star as far as where's, where does the institution really need to go? What are the things we need to focus on? For me personally, what I do is I start every week thinking about what's the most important thing that I can do this week that will have the greatest positive impact and also that I value the most on with that. And I write that list down. Yeah. And then every day I think about Am I moving closer to whatever that most important thing or things are that I need to I, I need to move forward for the college? I typically articulate five things that in five because I have five fingers, but on uh, <laughs> five things that I think we should focus on as big that I th big strategies that I think both me and the leadership team need to think about. So as an example, we're launching a new curriculum next year. It takes a whole lot of work to do that. That's one of my five things. We're building a new campus here in Athens. That takes a lot. That's one of my five things. Yeah. Another one is creating the Heritage College as the best place to work and learn. It's a big thing. What am I doing every single day to make the Heritage College a best place to work and learn? The place that a student would say, why would I go to any other medical school? Or a faculty or staff member would say, why would I ever want to work anywhere else? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I try to articulate those things that are big picture, have a lot of things under it that help us kind of stay on task. When all the little, because if you spend all your time putting out fires, then you're not going to really kind of focus yeah, on the things true. that can really move the organization forward. But if you don't put out the fires, then you get burned. So yeah. <laughs> you got to attend to both. Yeah, I kind of, I really, I do like that logic a lot. I mean, I think a lot of people have their eye on the future a lot, but then forget about um, what they should do each week, yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way you approach it, at least, allows you to address both. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could kind of tell us more about how the what the new campus is going to be like. Oh, the new campus here in Athens. Yeah, yeah. So, on um, one of the things that I realized when we built a, a new campus in Dublin and then a new campus in Cleveland, on what it's like to try to run a medical education program out of an old dorm. 
So, I mean, that's uh, that, and it's, it's literally, you know, the space we're in. Now, to start a medical school, on particularly on limited resources and with unused space, that was not a bad way to start it. But the way medical education has evolved from when it started to now is dramatically different. And when I saw how much benefit there was in Dublin and Cleveland with modern medical education facilities where on students had appropriate study space, where the space fit the curriculum, on where faculty and staff had the right spaces to work together. On, and then I, I reflected back here how inadequate it felt on to be working out of these old spaces. We decided that on using the heritage the Osteopathic Heritage Foundation's transformational gift and reorganizing that a little bit that maybe we could build a new campus here in Athens. It became a transformational project for the university, which actually allows other things to happen at the university by us doing that. And so we're going to be building it and over on Union Street. And the way we've been talking about it is that it actually seeds a new green. So it becomes Union Street green. We'll be on the green. Engineering will be on the green on as well with on research. And it kind of builds a bit of a kind of um, research biomedicine um, corridor through the center of the campus with this being one one end of that. So it'd be like it's uh, kind of it's like its own thing. Whereas yeah. now we're more in like uh, combined in campus with everyone else. But yes. that will make it more a little yeah. isolated. It, well, yeah. That, so it it's funny thinking about it. So we're going to we're still going to occupy some of the buildings that are relatively new. So we built the Academic and Research Center. And a little bit before that, the university built Life Sciences, which are both right next to each other. It takes almost the same amount of time to walk from there to the building that we're in as it would to walk to our new building over on Union Street. We actually built some pathways to make it a little bit easier to, uh, to do that. But part of our problem right now is that the medical school is scattered across multiple different buildings as well, and it will help us kind of coalesce some yeah. of that. Um, and it will give us it will give us adequate space. And the other thing that I have been saying is that it creates a bit of a different gateway to the university. So a lot of people come into the university on kind of that on Union Street, Schaefer Street, that that area. So this helps to create kind of a different doorway on mm -hmm. into into the university. And what I hope will happen as a side effect of that is that it may actually help stimulate other things along on Union Street as well. Uh, it'll stimulate the diner. Right, because <laughs> <laughs> it'll be simpler to walk up the right, hill. Right, but I think well, well, business. But we are going to be intentional in connecting it back to the to the university, so it doesn't feel like it's out on on its own, and that on um, you'd be able to kind of almost see arc, you know, the arc from on from the building on as well. But we also were intentional, and in, so we talked about the city, and um, we put it close to Oblenis Hospital as well, which is Ohio Health is our academic. On medical partner uh, in all of this. So thinking that if we were co-located a little bit more close to each other, would that help stimulate programs between the between the two as well? Okay. Um, what do you th what do you believe is important for a medical school to prioritize in making the best um, students? Oh, so probably choosing the students right from the beginning is the, <laughs> is the most important yeah. thing. And so one of the things that on um, that we try to do is a very holistic approach to, to choosing students. And just because you have a 4.0 doesn't mean you're the best candidate for our medical school. Uh, and so in that holistic approach, we want to not only have people who are, are bright or intelligent, but who are caring 
and who want, I always say, who want to be part of something that's bigger than, than themselves. We focus on primary care a lot, on, and on that, that focus on primary care is one where those physicians typically provide the kind of care that the community needs, regardless of their background. So if you go into a community that needs more student health for um, grade schools, you do that. If it needs sports medicine, you provide sports medicine for the community. Um, so attracting students who want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves, to contribute to something that's bigger than themselves is really kind of part of our selection process. It's a sense of altruism. And I will talk to Dr. Schreiner, who's our Associate Dean for Admissions and Student Affairs, about a candidate that's having trouble getting in. And he, because often folks will contact me and say, my cousin or whoever is having trouble. Sometimes the feedback is they need to do more volunteer activity. It's not, you know, go back and get a master's of biomedical science. It's yeah. that they haven't done things that demonstrate that, that kind of altruistic uh, giving on attitude. So our, 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 to start with on choosing the right students, I think because of that and, and having that sense of an altruism as part of taking a look at uh, the students coming in, you take a look at our student body now and you'll see that people are more likely to be in a space of trying to help each other than to hold things back. So there's no cutthroat on I'm, I'm going to hold something back so I can get a better grade than you. And I had a on student who had on one of their who had their apartment burned down, and we reached out to them immediately on how can we help? How can we help? On one of the responses for them was, I I have to tell you how proud I am to be part of this college, because so many of my classmates who I did not know very closely came up to me, asking, Do I need? The basic, you know, food, shelter, water. Can I help you with studying? What, you know, what can I, what can I help you with? So that, that's the kind of atmosphere that we, that we create inside uh -huh. the medical school. I think that creates a better doctor at the end of the day because they want they're caring people, and you want to go to someone who you feel cared for, that they care about you, on, and not just, and here's another person with a sore throat, on, you know, walking in the door. Okay. Yeah, that makes. Uh Makes sense to me. It all yeah. all this who's you who you crew. Um, so, like we've been discussing, um, we've about we're about to make a a new campus here in Athens. We just added two other campuses. So with that growth comes a lot of pressure. How how do you handle that pressure? Personally, what's what, what's yes. my method for handling on uh, for handling pressure? So, on uh, I actually for our students try to model on uh, what I think is on. Uh, uh, good behavior as a dean uh, in the sense of um, I was on when I was a student one of the things I learned is that you can't take care of other people if you don't take care of yourself uh, and you can imagine on um, being in a high pressure high stress position that's very demanding on time it would be very easy I could work 24 7 and not be done uh, not even not even close but what does that do to my family? What does that do to my physical health, on uh, my mental health, my spiritual health, et cetera? So what I, what, I, what I try to do with my students is model taking care of myself because they need to take care of themselves as well. And so I actually, with the students on here in Athens, I offer a variety of ways to connect with me around physical health. And so every year I do a run, spin, yoga, hike, 
think that's it, with the dean. Uh, once a month, on, I offer on that just as a way to kind of say, you can take care of yourself. I had a student from the Cleveland campus send me an email when we were having our accreditation visit there. And the creditors kind of locked themselves in a room during various periods of time of the day for writing and private conversation. So I had built into my day, again, going back to like my planning on the most important things. But one of the most important things for me is to figure out where do I put physical health care for myself okay. in the week. I like to run. I like to bike. I like to do other things. So I, I had planned in on, I don't know, like half hour on the treadmill on that day on our campus. Uh, and so one of the students emailed me afterwards and said, Dr. Johnson, you are my hero. <laughs> if, if, you can, if you can work out during an accreditation visit, I can work out when I'm studying for a test. Um, so, so I think part of it is when you, when you lead, when you're in positions where there's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure, you've got to stop uh, and take care of yourself somehow uh, during that. So make sure you get exercise, that you eat well, uh, that you have time with family, uh, and things like that. And I've, what I've tried to do is I've tried to integrate my family into things that I'm doing. So if I have some kind of event that I have to be at, you know, my wife certainly comes a lot, but I bring my kids. And so we do this wonderful thing called the multicultural extravaganza here, which I absolutely love. Every culture is, anybody from any culture is welcome to present anything. Sometimes it's a song, a dance, clothes, a poem, on or whatever. And every year I bring one of my kids on to come to that. It's something I want to go to, but then it's time away from family. It's something I think that would be cool for them to experience. I'll bring them along. I have, we have someone who comes in to do a cultural competency training for the students. And on a Saturday, they do their final session. And so I typically go to that to kind of like reward, say, hey, great work, and you know, kind of on, on praise them for taking the time. It's extra work for them. It's like 16 extra hours of time for students in this cultural competency training. So I brought my son to the last one. And so he, he sat down and participated as part of the small groups, talking about cultural competency and on the exercises that they were doing. So what I try to do is I try to integrate these things as much as possible, family and with work, make sure that I get exercise, make sure I actually have time for family uh, and whatever else is, is important. Because otherwise I would just burn out. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think that actually I know, and Dr. Fredericks knows, that burnout is a big issue for yeah. physicians. And if physicians don't have time or take the time to take care of themselves, it just leads to at least a burnout. So we're hoping actually our new curriculum has this on spin on words on a few different ways. It's the Pathways to Health and Wellness curriculum, and it's for for it's the Pathways in Health and Wellness for patients. We want to bring them back to health and wellness. It's for the students to make sure that they're healthy and well, and it's also for the faculty to to walk through in a way where we're yeah. pro promoting health and health and wellness. Yeah, I think yeah exactly how you deal with stress. I think it can be related to other doctors too. Cause you always hear about the physician burnout and. Uh, I personally think that they a lot of people will blame it on their employer, saying that they make them work too much. But I think like how you do, you have to be proactive about it right. and make sure you schedule yourself your own time with your family or whatever kind of um, events you like to take part yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, and just and again, if you go back to what we talked about before, planning out the week, you just and take a look at your week and see where you can where you can put the most important things in first. Yeah, so maybe we can get a powerlifting with the dean, and then I'll oh, make sure I'll be awesome. <laughs> powerlifting <laughs> with the dean. I'll, I'll do it. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Why do you feel it's important to do stuff with students? 
I feel like I cannot make good decisions that impact students without understanding the student experience. Uh, and so I'm making, uh, you know, I may be making these decisions that seem like they're way up high in the organization someplace, but at the end of the day, they may, it will have some impact on students. So I actually have said to my entire leadership team that all of our decisions should be run through the lens of the student learning experience. We make mm -hmm. all of our decisions based off of the student learning experience. So if I don't understand just a little bit about the student learning experience, it makes it difficult as people are coming forward with recommendations to me on to make good decisions about that. So what I try to do, like this week, I have a session with the first-year students. I'll lock, lock everybody in the room. It's a mandatory event. On, it's confidential, on, but not private in the sense of, I won't say who said what, but I will bring forward anything that comes from that. And it's a chance for me to get feedback directly from the class to then bring back to the leadership team to say, hey, oh, this, is, you know, this is what I heard from the, you know, from the students. So I, and the reason I do that is I tell them that uh, if I, let's say, easy way for me to do it, I'll send out a survey to the class. I don't get certain things from, from doing the survey. Like, as an example, sometimes the students will bring out something that uh, is really positive and the entire class will clap and cheer. Or something really negative will come out and everybody will like, Rrr. and so I get a different quality on from that. Then I get a, I get to check it a little bit because I'll have a student say something like, Dr. Johnson, everybody feels blah, blah, blah. And I'll, I'll just turn around to the class. So does everybody feel that way? Is it really this this way? And it, it gives me a chance to interact with the, with the students. So I think that having some level of interaction with the students and understanding their experience helps me make better decisions or helps me push the organization a little bit in a certain direction yeah. uh, to make good decisions. Or maybe there's some gap that we hadn't, that we didn't know about, that it, it just kind of helps me understand what that gap is. I can tell you that that the attitude of the dean, and it's not because he's sitting here, and because I effectively have tenure in August, is, and I, so I can say this stuff, it's motivational to me, and it causes me to reflect upon what that experience should be for students. There, there's things that we know as doctors that you have to know, and then there's things that I'm challenged by, like, is there a different way to do this that has a more meaningful impact on the students learning it? I think about that a lot, and I think a lot of it because because you've come. Oh, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of that that's shown up, and it it makes it for it makes it to me a really dynamic and interesting place to work. And we struggle through like new curriculum. Right, it's like chaotic. Like no one knows what it's supposed to be, and it's this amorphous thing, and we're trying to put it all together, and we're building airplanes in the sky, and you know. But it's exciting because you're thinking at some point we're going to look at that and go, we put that together. And the students responding to it in a favorable way, and then it reflects on good doctors at the other end, and that all comes from this kind of visionary leadership thing. Yeah. It's really kind of fun. All starts at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll be back with you for another segment later. Rotations is the weekly podcast of all things medicine and science, and is part of the media and medicine family of medical storytelling. The opinions and comments expressed in rotations do not reflect the official or unofficial positions of Ohio University, the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, or the Scripps College of Communication. The guests in rotations are interviewed in an unopposed fashion so their ideas and opinions can be freely expressed. Rotations is hosted by Ryan Schrott, produced by Todd Fredericks, engineered by Kyle Snyder, and edited by Brian Plough. Rotations is co-hosted by a League of Champions of All Things Medicine and a few people we pull off the street. 
Rotations is copyrighted, and while we welcome citations, tweets, Facebook lights, and other endorsements via word of mouth and social media, we reserve the right to all content. You may use Rotations content under the provisions of Creative Commons, but cannot alter or edit the content in any manner without express permission of the content creators, and you must cite Rotations as the source of any content derived from the podcast. We welcome any comments, and you can contact us by emailing us at rotationspodcast at gmail.com, tweeting us at rotationspcast, or by visiting mediainmedicine.com slash rotations.